0: Speak the charm of may charm of may charm of may charm. Charm Charm
1: There will come a time on the planet Earth when science and technology will be long forgotten, when wizards will rule the world. This is the Arnamancy podcast, exploring esotericism, tarot, magic, and the occult. I am Reverend Eric. This episode, I'm talking with local Portland artist and musician... Greg Tra, the creator of the Drac Chiados Tarot, which is currently on Kickstarter. There's a link in the show notes and I encourage you to check it out. By the time we recorded this episode, Greg had just reached his Kickstarter goal, but he's also said that if he doubles his goal, he'll be sending his supporters miniature Drac Chiados decks as well, which is a pretty good idea because it's a very large art-sized deck, and it sounds like the smaller version will be easier to shuffle. The deck artwork is amazing, you'll hear us talk about it, I hope you check it out. I'm editing this episode on Thank Your Patrons Day, which is a special day recognized by Patreon for all of us creators to thank our supporters. I currently have about 30 supporters on Patreon, and it's thanks to them that I'm able to pay for all of my hosting costs and equipment upgrades and... They basically encourage me to keep going, give me good feedback and good ideas. And so thank you guys very much. I want to give a special shout out to my new Hierophant level supporter, Jason Conway. Thanks, buddy. I owe you a beer. You can also become a supporter of the Arnamancy Project and the podcast and the blog at patreon.com slash Arnamancy for just $1 a month. It's cheap and it's worth it. I'm currently halfway to, a little over halfway to my first goal, and when I reach that first goal, I will be paying other writers for guest blog posts on the Arnomancy blog. It's my belief that in the occult esoteric community, we should be working hard to support each other, and I think one of the best ways to do that is to pay occult creators for their work. Special note, I really enjoy getting feedback. I think that part of a Part of a podcast is sort of an ongoing conversation with the listeners. And the best way for that to work is for you guys to leave me feedback. Send me a message on Twitter. Send me an email. Drop a comment on the website. Whatever it is, I would love to hear from you and I'd love to hear what you have to say. And now, on to my interview with Greg. Thanks for being here, Greg. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah. It's a pleasure. pleasure. It's exciting. Okay, so uh, let's talk about... The Cheetos tarot. So right. you just successfully hit your Kickstarter goal.
0: Absolutely, well, yeah. Really, really exciting, um, beautiful, <laughs> awesome occurrence. That yeah, just super, super feel blessed by the universe. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And it was, and it was even more awesome that um, the day that it happened, I had an intuition that it was going to happen, and because I had kind of set an intention. With six thousand five hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and then that being numerology terms eleven, and then eleven eleven came, uh-huh. and I was like, "Oh, wow!" And I was only five hundred dollars away, and so was like, "Oh, I bet it's gonna happen today." I have a feeling. I just I just knew when I woke up that morning it was gonna happen that day, uh-huh. and then and then. Later on, when it did actually happen, I realized, you know, not only was it 11:11, 11, 11, but it was, a, it was like a full Taurus moon, mm-hmm. and then the occultation of um, Mercury was also was also going on.
1: Oh, the transitive Mercury. Yeah, exactly.
0: So, so um, it was kind of a beautiful thing because, like. I, I I feel such a like an alliance to Toth in so many in so many different ways, and so him like this Mercury and Moon thing happening, it was just it like supercharged the deck, you know, <laughs> in a way that's like beautiful. So,
1: um, so can you uh, uh, for all of the people out there who uh, are just listening, can you describe the deck? Like, what does it sort of look like? <laughs> I mean, we know it's big, for instance, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh... <laughs>
0: I guess the images I really wanted, because I feel so often with tarot decks, there's, there's, they show one specific aspect of an archetype, an energy, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever you want to call it. And I really kind of wanted to show more of a macro view of, like, let's take, let's take the energy or archetype and show it in its entirety, in its full, in its full spectrum.
1: So then, what would that what would that entail? Like, um, uh, what's what was the card that was the easiest for you work for you to work on?
0: Oh, I don't think any were easy. <laughs>
1: uh, hmm. All right, then let's just talk about like. Uh, uh-huh. Let's go to the. The Fool. Everybody knows The Fool. Yeah, The Fool. So when you're talking about like taking a macro view of it, does The Fool have a fool on it?
0: Can you repeat that again?
1: Does The Fool have a fool on it? Like, is there a jester a or a... Uh,
0: not necessarily. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. The Fool The fool went through several different drafts because when I first started the tarot, this whole project... Actually, this is actually... probably should be said. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't really know that much about the tarot going into the project. Like most people, study tarot. So you
1: went in blind. You exactly, went in, like totally not blind, knowing. like the fool. How, okay, wait, let's talk about <laughs> that. How did that happen? What were you? What first of all? What were you thinking? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: Um, no, uh, I. You know, i had been studying and practicing magic for a while, and I had, I, but previously to that, I had I had worked on this big project. This, um, as an artist, I was working on this big piece that had to do with the tree of life, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like me figuring out how the tree of life it all worked. Mm-hmm. And it was like it was going to be amazing glass, and it was going to be like able to use for ritual and all this stuff mm-hmm. had, a, had a purpose. But um, I couldn't afford to get it finished at the time, and and I was really bummed about not being able to fit. You know, you spend so much time on a project, and you realize, oh man, I don't have enough money to actually do. You know, like, yeah, your eyes yeah. were bigger than your stomach.
1: oh because it was stained glass and stuff, right? Yeah, so it yeah, was it, was, be... it was like all this, it was crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. And,
0: and at some point I would like to maybe try and do it, but um, I think in, on some, in some level it's lost its potency
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, for a number of different reasons. Anyways, so after that, um, I still wanted to do something similar and a big project. I've always, mm-hmm. with all of my art practice, done huge, like, big challenges. To me, doing a big project is important. So mm-hmm. basically what had happened was I just thought, well... I know, like, some basic knowledge about the tarot. Maybe I should... And it's like, what better way to learn about something than to make it, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, you, so, you said oh, you'd been yeah. doing, like, magic and, and, obviously, Kabbalah stuff for a while. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you managed to do all that without really... Nobody forced you to learn the tarot, or you didn't fall into, like, the tarot hole earlier. No. Like, that's kind no of, because
0: uh, I think I came about magic in kind of a weird way. Um, uh-huh. I had... I had been you know practicing a lot of like a lot of this is so kind of cliche <laughs> what everybody does practicing Eastern religions for a while and then um, you know and then eventually getting <laughs> right and yeah then getting yeah.
1: in let's see where were we oh yeah you were making your um uh your uh, confession Sorry. about the uh, Eastern oh. Eastern religions. oh yeah right
0: so I mean and then you know from there you kind of you know, come full circle again and then start getting into magic and mm-hmm. start... Pra- and then, I mean, that takes you into so many different, you know, rabbit holes, crooks and crannies. So.
1: so then, um, were you doing, uh, like, Golden Dawn style stuff?
0: More, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could say that, but definitely
1: mm-hmm. more, like,
0: Crowley, OTO, like, AA type practicum. Okay. Cool.
1: Uh, and then, uh, and still no tarot yeah
0: still no tarot All right. you know? because I guess I was I was so getting so much when I first started getting into this stuff I was getting so much into you know the reading and like and just by myself studying the literature studying the grimoires and going deep in that sense mm-hmm. and even to this day it's like I'm not really that much into group work you know I'm not yeah. really that much into you know it doesn't appeal to
1: me you know um, and when you so when you first came across the tarot what uh, so was it because of the art project was it because you were like I'm gonna do this big art thing and then you started getting into it yeah what do you mean this big art thing Well the big art thing being the deck oh yeah the, yeah uh, yeahados yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> definitely um, getting into getting into it was definitely like a challenge and knowing that I I, I wanted to know about the tarot mm-hmm. and I knew that it would like up uh, my practical knowledge of of how all Hermeticism works. Uh-huh. Learning it. And, yeah, so... Uh,
1: so then, what was your approach? Was it, like, a random card? Did you, like, start mm-hmm. on the fool's journey? Did you...
0: Yeah, no, I, It's it's interesting. I would have liked, if I could, I mean, there's so many things I wish I could have done differently, but if I would have done it differently, I would have liked to have pulled a random card and uh-huh. then worked on it. But my, my way was very methodical um, starting with the majors uh-huh. and then going through the pips and then finally the courts.
1: Did you, um, did you make the are, the... are the pips all individual images or did you make them pip-like?
0: Oh, they're, they're individual images. <laughs> um, definitely not pip-like. Definitely uh, following a narrative. I guess the one thing that's kind of unique about the deck that... Um, one feature that I, I kind of came up with in making it because I, I don't think I've ever really seen a deck made this way, but certain cards within the pips you can put together and they make larger images.
1: Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow, that sounds cool.
0: Yeah. It I was it was a it was a big process to do it. Did you did
1: <laughs> yeah. you make well? Okay, so they're collages, right? Yeah. So you so you would like make a collage and then photograph it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, when you did that with the with the pips, did you make like a humongous collage? Yeah, yeah. And then you photographed it and chopped it up into pieces.
0: Oh, or I get what you're saying. No, I actually, um, yeah, made you know actual collages, and then and then like I was working with all the materials and uh-huh. then scanned them in. So yeah, okay, okay, um,
1: wow. Uh, it, so, do you give away like so when they get the deck? When mm-hmm. somebody gets the deck, is it going to be obvious that the pips form this sort of like giant puzzle? Or no, is because
0: a, it's kind of a, it's because of the way that it's placed, they're going to be placed throughout the deck. Uh huh. I feel like they'll kind of stumble. I mean, well, everybody listening to this, you know, but
1: I, I think it's it's a it's a treasure hunt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah But
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and and so it's like I kind of want it that way because of the way the the pictures are set up that you can, you don't really know until you start using the deck. And uh-huh. I mean, there's, I mean, I feel like that's kind of this one of the beautiful the beautiful beautiful aesthetics to tarot. Yeah, is that there are all these like, for lack of a better term, Easter eggs throughout it. You uh-huh. know, and 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 that's kind of the the beauty and the fun and the adventure of tarot is is once you start figuring out how all these things interlock and interweave and together and that it's conscious and that there's an intention there uh-huh. that's what's important that it's not like just random occurrence that like the artist and the thinkers involved in making a great tarot deck
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know just like in someone writing a good ritual or a good spell like they're putting it, it you know everything into it that should be in it. You know, yeah, yeah. and 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 if, and if it's in there, it's there for a reason. Intention.
1: Yeah. Uh, man, I can't wait to see this thing. <laughs> Thank you. I know, me too. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, but we, I think we. I mentioned before, like you, you were saying that it's really big. So it's yeah. like four by eight inches. Yes. Each yeah. card. So they're they're big. They're yeah, good size. Absolutely. Sized. And they're going to be wow. Well, and uh, and the collages. I've seen pictures of some of the collages, and they're and they're pretty. Uh, it can be pretty dense. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot going on in each deck, or in each card. Yeah, that's Uh, how my brain works. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the last time we met, uh, it was at that uh, tarot symposium thing. uh, What was that called? Tarot Talk. Tarot Talk. And you were giving a lecture on, uh, well, I mean, you gave part of the, you know, you were on the panel, but then um, you gave a lecture on symbolism in the tarot, which I was... Uh, eavesdropping on more oh. than I was in the talk I was in. I mean, don't tell, don't tell well, Coleman. They, well,
0: there go that ship sailed,
1: man. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was really interesting to listen to. Um, you know, I've I've done a lot of uh, work with Kabbalah, and Kabbalah and oh, Tarot is really fascinating. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I think kind of. Sometimes I get really irritated at it. You know, like, I feel like there's a lot of it that doesn't match up super well. A lot of it feels a little forced. Wonky, yeah. little, yeah. okay, let
0: me ask you this. For someone who is, okay, first of all, you've studied traditional Kabbalah, like, Mm -hmm. okay, and you've also, have you also studied the occult Kabbalah? I have, yeah. Okay, both, so you studied both. Mm Mm-hmm. And and is, and the, the, the because I've only really studied occult Kabbalah. I've never studied actual, like, Jewish Kabbalah. So let me ask you this. Okay. The, the the adversity and the 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 for lack of a better term I guess differences between the you know the differences between the camps uh-huh. would you say as studying as a person who studied both would you say that like those reasons are good and that like people that study traditional Jewish college they have absolute reasons why they can look at occultists and be like oh look at these idiots over here
1: (laughs) I think in a way they do I mean first of all a lot of uh, traditional occultists are um, or traditional Kabbalists are really strict Jews absolutely so they stick to that religion Um, I don't think that they really appreciate the way that Kabbalah has been you know we talked about this before like the Golden Dawn were like occult um uh, colonialists. They yeah, were yeah. occult <laughs> colonialists, yeah. right? They were like, yeah, totally. they, they took every single tradition they came across, and they're like, we're just gonna shove it into this Kabbalah, much like tol. the British Empire. Yeah, yeah. They were they were the occult arm of the British Empire for exactly. sure.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. The spirit. I mean, in a lot of ways, like almost like the spiritual arm. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But um, and so because of that, like uh, the Hermetic Kabbalah, the occult Kabbalah, yeah. you're calling it. It's it's just filled with all of this. It's almost like. Uh, it's almost like they put all of this paint on a on like an empty shoebox and called it like the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> They're like, look how magical this is! Don't don't go, don't go under the paint. Uh, okay, whereas, whereas in uh, in uh, Jewish Kabbalah, in traditional yeah. Kabbalah, it, there's this fascinating thing to it. it. It's deep. There's so much literature. There's so much stuff going on, oh, boy, and it's such like a weirdly deep mystical practice. It doesn't have the level of. Um, like it's not as obsessed with like the Tree of Life, for instance. Uh, whereas, but, it, it, but scripture, correct? It's very obsessed with scripture. Yeah, yeah. But it's also yeah. very obsessed with secrecy, uh, and also yeah. it's very obsessed with like all of this other weird sort of stuff that 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 like the Golden Dawn would never touch, right? Yeah. Like, um, like sexual imagery in traditional Kabbalah is not only prevalent but core to. To how it
0: works, like with the
1: Shekinah? and uh, with the Shekinah, yeah. but all, but it's also it's in everything, right? And it's it's really present. Uh, there's a lot that's of like really ecstatic uh, mystical practices and chanting and permutations of the Hebrew alphabet and like all this sort of stuff. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, <laughs> because
0: like my only exposure to traditional Kabbalah is like I've read the Zohar and mm-hmm. um, read the Yetzira, yeah, yeah, you know, which are the two major ones. But other than that, like I don't know anything. And um, it's interesting I, uh, It's interesting that you bring that up Because I've always kind of thought That like um, Buddhism and Kabbalah are, are, are very closely related In a sense because they both understand mantra They mm-hmm. both understand vibration mm-hmm. they, both under, like, they both understand That like reaching higher states of consciousness Is accomplished mm-hmm. through Breath and mantra Yeah, They're just like ones doing it in this total Like neurotic You know
1: Oh they're r- both neurotic
0: Absol- <laughs> Actually, <laughs> you're
1: right. They are. <laughs> uh, but I would <laughs> also, think, I also would totally say that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that like, uh, they both have, you know, there, there, are, there are traditions of esoteric Buddhism and traditions of uh, Kabbalah that have kind of, like, codified what it is to be enlightened. You know, they're sort of like, when you reach this state, yeah, you'll know yeah, it. You know, yeah. It's once, mapped out really
0: yeah, well. Yeah, it's
1: mapped out super well, and there are ways to get there. There's not really a way for, like, a layperson to get there. You know, you basically have to be, like, you know, trapped in a cave for four years or something like that. Absolutely. Chanting the entire time or something. But, um, but they actually spell it out.
0: But that's actually an interesting, that's actually an interesting point that you bring up because I feel like on a certain level, kind of the beautiful evolution of spiritual practice is, you know, there, there, is, there is experience and then there's usually starting, like we're using Buddhism as an example, so Siddhartha Gautama. Uh-huh. And, then, and then there's his life and then there 's the minutia that develops around his life, mm-hmm. but then there's always at some point some kind of ref- reformation or you know reform that goes on that breaks down all that dogma you know yeah. and, and, and Buddhism really being kind of a a, a reaction to Hinduism, you know because mm-hmm. I mean you know I, I totally see Buddhism as being like this you know, looking at looking at all the dogma of the Hindus, looking at all the, the the pantheon of the deities and all this stuff, and and finally, you know, the Buddha saying, you don't need all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like. There's been several iterations of
1: Buddhism... That sort of go through that over and over exactly. again. Exactly. The same thing happens with Kabbalah, where the yeah. where the traditions sort of spring up, and it's like, you know, some great mystical show up, and he'll be like, I have this vision, and it looks like yeah. this and this yeah. and this. But then that develops into, like, a dogma that ends up getting, like, discarded by the next school that comes along. And then, yeah. you know, the same thing is happening over and over and, and over I again. I think that's
0: all good and healthy. Right? I think it is, too. Yeah. I think
1: it's. It, I think it really aims at something that the rest of us should learn, which is that a lot of times that kind of, like initiatic path is super individual mm-hmm. and you can get hints from other people and what other people are doing but you're not necessarily ever going to be able to follow directly in another human's footsteps yeah
0: yeah and, and also honor your own autonomy you yeah. know yeah. Like, that's so important in magic and just life in general
1: yeah know? and I think we can bring that back to like the creation of a tarot deck right I you mean know. in a way you know I mean I've been working with tarot since I was like 14 or something yeah right? yeah, yeah which is like 30 years now you just got beautiful. older. <laughs> um, but, too, uh, by the way, happy birthday! Thank you, thank you. Forty-four
0: is, is a powerful, powerful number. I know, and, I know.
1: My uh, my uh, prime factors are two and eleven. It's beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> um, but uh, but you know, I mean, I've been working with Tarot all that time. Like I uh, I've. I wouldn't say that I'm an amazing artist, but I enjoy a good doodle here and there.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Come on,
1: <laughs> but uh, but I've never endeavored to make a tarot deck. Uh, and why why do you think that is? I think partially it seems like a very large and very intimidating um, project. And I think a lot of it might also have to be because I've worked with tarot so long that I have really specific images stuck in my head for pretty much every single card. That's bad. and like if you even just say a card name, I will remember. No, I think that's
0: interesting that you bring that up, man. Because I think most people's brains work that way, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's and and part of the you know tarot is programming yourself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's inter- And another thing, an interesting point to that is is thinking of like the Waite Smith deck and how when people think of tarot. You know they they automatically those images that come, oh, yeah. in, come into their mind like that is the tarot more than any more than any other deck, like that is the yeah. tarot is is those imagery and it 's kind of a testament not only you know like we had talked about before of the patent thing and, and, and the copyright mm-hmm. thing, but just a testament to kind of. I don't know the magic of the, of the golden dawn, and specifically, you know, Pamela Coleman Smith. And yeah, I like, think
1: it has a lot to do with the power of images, right? Absolutely. absolutely. Um, so I guess part of me sort of is like, I don't trust myself to come up with new images. Uh, I also sort of, yeah, I don't know. So I mean, I guess to me, when I when I hear about you, like your your learning process was also a creation process, yeah. like that's pretty badass. But but
0: at the same time you know I was just too stupid to know see you've had all this experience and you've had all these experiences <laughs> with the tarot and if I have had all those experiences I'd probably be like oh I don't know if I want to do that no, there's like, t- there's a, there's, a, there's, a, no there's an better. old lesson
1: there right where it's sort of like if nobody ever tells you that you can't do it then you're, you're going to try and probably succeed you know? exactly I mean, a lot of the people who succeed at like seemingly impossible tasks were just never told that they couldn't do it yeah yeah um, but, uh, and, and I mean, I guess, you know, with tarot, like, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of tarot decks, uh, so it's not like it's an impossible task, but it's it's definitely a big one. And collage for every single card is pretty intense.
0: And, and what was cool, because it's... What's cool about collage is, especially when dealing with the dogma of the tarot, mm-hmm. you know, is that you're kind of forced to come up with a different image. Yeah. Because it's like, you, you can't, I mean... Even though my deck kind of riffs on the Wade Smith deck here and there, it mm-hmm. also it also riffs on like the Marseille deck and, and some other decks too. Though, but you know, I, I specifically tried to to bring something new to the table because very much in the same way, you know, in talking to all my tarot friends, like mm-hmm. we kind of considered the you know the Wade Smith deck kind of the walmart of the tarot because it kind of oh is. yeah absolutely you it's know? everywhere yeah it's everywhere I
1: mean, and it's kind of obnoxious and uh-huh. it's old yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's way it's way old but everybody even people who don't use the tarot know those images absolutely right? like, it, which, it, which is beautiful yeah but it shows up in movies and tv shows and
0: and it's interesting and it's interesting that it's like there hasn't really been a deck since that deck that has taken its place
1: Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, you know, probably, like, the second most popular deck is the Thoth Tarot. But even that, like, nobody knows it unless they work with it.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And 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 I, I feel like the, you know, I mean, if you if you can think of the Waite Smith deck as the popular deck, <laughs> you know, like, thinking of the way, I mean, I don't want to get too much into this stuff, but thinking of the way that, like, the AA and the OTO are structured, I mm-hmm. feel like the Thoth deck is, like, the AA of the Waite You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, where yeah. it's, like, it's... It's so far, like scholarly, like scholastically, it's so far above the Wait Smith deck. I mean, there's some big problems with the Waitsmith Smith deck, mm-hmm. you know, with the blinds, you know, and, 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 and just, and it's old, and I mean, there's just problems with it, and I mean, he yeah. obviously clearly tried to move those move those those problems and fix those problems and kind of bring his own take. But I feel like every like we should write our own constitution for every generation we yeah. should every generation should make their own tarot deck
1: sort of like and every generation gets its own uh, vampire slayer <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly but it's it's what's sad is that it's like the scholarship of tarot
0: has kind of gone to the wayside mm-hmm. i mean we kind of talked about that at the panel discussion of where the art, the artists have kind of won the tarot game. Where you know, yeah,
1: it used to be the collaboration was what made a tarot deck. You'd have an artist and a scholar. Working and what together. made and
0: what made a tarot deck original too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, because because now it's like everything exists within the Wait Smith Edricor. You know, because so many artists mm-hmm. just kind of copy the Wait Smith images, but then will do like their own figures. Yeah, and there, and it's just like, and this is. I, actually, I feel really strongly about this. This is why scholarship, correspondence, symbolism are, are so, so important to the tarot. Because if you don't know that stuff, you're basically living in someone else's dream. You're living in the oh, dream of Pamela geez. Coleman Smith.
1: Right, you're, you're basically inhabiting her imaginal realm. Exactly. And, and working with See, that's her That's such images. a beautiful way to put it. Yeah, yeah you're inhabiting yeah. her imaginal realm. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but that's that's a good point. Okay, so then when you were when you were learning tarot, uh, how did you come up with images? So like, you know, when you you know got to the swords, for instance, were you reading a book and learning that way? Were you uh, just using correspondences? Like, did you look at other decks? Like, how did you how did you get inspired?
0: Uh, So um, it's it was kind of a whole process because. Uh I went through several drafts of the deck, and I, I very much so, even though here we are trashing on the, kind of trashing on the Wake Smith <laughs> deck left and right, the first draft I did, because I really knew nothing about the tarot, the uh-huh. first draft I did was kind of what most artists do when they do their own decks, is just kind of do their clever little tricks, you uh-huh. know, on the Wake Smith, and that's kind of what the first draft was like. It was very, very, oh, and you had very... To kinda
1: break that, huh? Yeah,
0: yeah, because, because as I learned more about the scholarship and stuff, I was like, oh well that frees me up, once I know the symbolism of a card, that frees me up to make up, well what, how I feel about the, the connected correspondences are whether they be planetary Kabbalah or mm-hmm. you know, alchemical or whatever, and so by the time, once I got through the majors the first draft of the majors was very much Wade Smith like by the time I got to the, the, the first draft of the Pips, I knew that it was like I was going to completely change the majors and uh-huh. not do the Waitsmith wannabe deck and then, and then kind of go my own way. So with the Pips, it was the first time where I was really like doing my own thing.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Uh, how about the face cards? Oh, the court cards?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the court cards were totally kind of... Um, I've changed some things around as far as the ordering goes, uh-huh. and uh, definitely, definitely have their own
1: unique style. In a sense. did you go with like? Uh, well, did you go with like uh, the the style court cards, or like when you say you changed the way the ordering goes, what's that mean?
0: Uh, kind of uh, used used both the the Toth and the Waismann. So obviously, like there's the, the the princes, the pages, and the uh-huh. and the princesses thing. So basically, with the masculine energies, with the swords and the wands, I used pages, and then with the cups and the discs, I used princesses. Oh. So there's so there's that. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. And then and then on the next and then the next with the knights, um, they're basically like. The knights are there's two so it, it, it switches, so it's, it goes so the the female knights are the swords and the uh, wand knights and then the male knights are the cups discs. And yeah, and then as you go up, but the ordering changes because I, I feel like you know the feminine energies being discs and cups, it's like the queen should have the highest ranking in that in that in <laughs> yeah. that court cards. So uh-huh. so the queens are the highest rank in the feminine energies and then the kings are the highest in the
1: in the Whoa. masculine. Okay. So that's going to re- require some different <laughs> memorization. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But but the correspondences
1: are still the same.
0: Okay. I didn't
1: I didn't I didn't mess with the correspondences. So. Oh, you just sort of reversed gender roles. Exactly. Of. But oh.
0: but what was strange is a lot of the correspondences for for mm-hmm. the, the gender still work in in its own weird way, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like for instance, like you know, like the queen, like the like the queen of cups, you know, being um, cancer and what was it the the moon? Or, yeah, the moon. I think the king. Possibly, I don't remember. It's going down. It's going down on the record. But anyways, <laughs> but anyways, like. Yeah, like that, it actually kind of worked Because, you know, like Cancer, you know, mm-hmm. very watery sign You know, so yeah. it, it still kind of works you know?
1: um, Alright, so uh, so, are you, so, you're pretty happy with how all of it turned out like how, uh, it, Yeah, you said, yeah, absolutely How long did it take you? Two and a half years Would you do another deck?
0: I, you know, like probably I'll never do another tarot deck I I will probably, at some point, way further down the road, maybe make an Oracle deck. Uh
1: Um, Would you, but what about, um, you know, you have all those, you you know, you've talked a lot about uh, the, you know, how the artists sort of won the tarot war. What about, would you collaborate with another person and have, like, one of you be the artist and one of you be the expert? Oh, that
0: would be, that would actually be a, a really, really interesting... Interesting uh, dialogue. Yeah, yeah, I, I would probably be down for How that.
1: How do you think that would work with, uh, like, you would you'd probably want to find somebody who had never really worked with tarot before, and then you'd what, like, describe the meaning of each card and let them make the art. Yeah,
0: but I don't see. That's a tough one because so much of that depends on like the collaborative relationship. Because yeah. I feel like. The relationship between weight and smith even though he was pretty strict on, from what i heard anecdotally like he was pretty strict on the majors
1: but he let her do the, all do, the minors
0: yeah exactly and that's where you got all the beautiful narrative imagery that's uh-huh. not like the
1: pips but then
0: the relationship between lady harris and crowley was pretty extensive in a sense that like crowley would make her do like several drafts and, and their correspondence with each other was pretty intense. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not to say that, like, like I think she liked
1: that. You know? yeah. She
0: enjoyed having that intensity,
1: you know. So it would really kind of have to depend on the two people and how they... Exactly, yeah. and the personality. God, that would be weird. Bro. Huh. Uh, so what about your other artwork? Like, what kind of uh, art do you do normally? Uh, usually, like, uh, kind of large shadow
0: box installations. Yeah. So it's like three-dimensional collage. Um, I, right now, I'm actually getting started on a large commission. Um, it's going to be probably one of the largest pieces I've ever done.
1: When you say large, are you talking
0: twelve feet across? Like taking up the size of a whole wall? Oh, so nice. like like almost like almost like a mural.
1: Wow, size. Yeah. Pretty, And it's going to be like a shadow box.
0: Yeah, yeah, like a, yeah, wow. like one large, like like a, like basically a bunch of like interlocking shadow boxes together to form like kind of one big image.
1: Uh huh. You know? Wow, that's impressive. Oh. Do you ever do? Have you had like shows and stuff?
0: Yeah, recently actually, um, it was nice because uh, last month I had two shows. I had one show in Fort Collins, Colorado, that was actually a tarot show. Right? Oh, I heard about that. that. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that that was in with Coleman. Yeah, and then um, another show up in Washington with a bunch of other collage artists from around the world. That that uh, it was a beautiful show um, in a sense of. It was at a friend of ours' gallery, who's also a collage artist, and and a lot of the people's work who I know online from other parts of the world were in the show. So it was really cool to see their work in person. And, and
1: uh, does it. your occult stuff make its way into your art very often? Oh, I mean, it's it's they're, they're inseparable from
0: each other. Like you know, <laughs> yeah. and the thing is, there are there are different little cliques in the collage world, uh-huh. just like there are in any artistic world or you know, like creative world, and so. There is a little like you know symbolist mm-hmm. movement within the, in the collage world
1: oh that's crazy. Yeah. I guess I never really thought that there was a collage world yeah I
0: mean <laughs> yeah, I, okay, so that's actually an interesting point to bring up because it's like I feel like I used to I used to be a mural painter and uh-huh. and I kind of got discouraged with it in a way in a sense of like you know I could paint I could study painting the rest of my life and never be. Like Van Eyck or something, you know, or right, right, like right. somebody, or like you know, you know, Bosch, or you know, like mm-hmm. somebody like that. But it's like, and, and on top of that, you're in competition with yeah. thousands of years of art history and thousands oh. of years of people that could just run circles around, you know. And so it's like yeah. I kind of made a decision. It's like, well, I don't want to get lost in the mix, and and so collage recently, for a number of different reasons, has been has started to. Being taken seriously by the art world, and it 's like I feel like the because like artists have have fooled around with collage, but they 've never actually taken it seriously, and I feel like now is the first time that it 's actually being taken seriously so it 's exciting huh. yeah you know. that 's cool
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, I mean I guess i 've seen more collage work around, but I haven 't paid that much attention to it. I will pay more <laughs> attention.
0: Yeah, you don't necessarily have to, man. I don't know, it's, it's kind of, it's because it's, it's not, it hasn't, never, it hasn't ever been taken really that seriously by the art uh-huh. world. It's like, it's like, I feel like a lot of collage artists, including myself, kind of are like self-conscious and like, you know, are afraid to say that they're collage artists. <laughs> you know.
1: Well, now it's going to be on the internet. Well, all right. <laughs> uh, well, why don't you uh, tell the listeners where they can find your work online?
0: Uh, yeah, on Instagram at nohetool.com. That's N-O-H-H-E-E-C-H-U-L. It's okay. It's my Korean spell name. bell Okay. D-R-A-C-X-I-O-D-O-S. So just think in terms of Drac. Okay, now use it Drac... in a
1: sentence. All
0: right. <laughs> Dracchiodos comes from another planet. It's going to be the title of this episode. <laughs> Drax Chiodos comes from another planet. I can get down with that. And actually, there is, there is a little Easter egg in that. If you look around in the deck, you'll know what I'm talking about. Because there are a lot of open secrets in the deck that if you know what you're looking for, they'll become blatantly obvious to you.
1: Um, Okay, well, so, uh, and your deck is still on Kickstarter and the Kickstarter. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, Please go check out and help contribute. If not, just go and check out the images. I don't know, drop me a line.
1: Tell me what's up. And then uh, when people find, so, so if they lay out all of the pips just right, there's a treasure map that leads to, like, buried gold or something like that. Alchemical gold. <laughs> the Philosopher's Stone. <laughs> the Philosopher's Stone. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for being a guest on my podcast, Greg. Well, it you was for really good yeah. Thank you for listening to the Arnomancy podcast. You can find me online at arnomancy.com, where you can schedule a tarot reading or peruse the Arnomancy blog. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes stitcher spotify or your favorite podcatcher if you like this podcast support it for just one dollar a month through patreon at patreon.com slash